0: you're listening to the coffee hour i'm andy bates
1: i'm sarah Golseth.
0: some big news happened at the end of the week last week. And so we're technically re-recording this on Friday, but sharing this on Monday. So more things may transpire over the weekend, but really looking forward to just discussing this very important event that happened on Friday with our friend Deaconess Tiffany Maynor in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu.
1: Live Uncommon.
0: Joining us today, Deaconess Tiffany Mayner, Director of LCMS Life Ministry. Thanks so much for joining us today, Tiffany.
1: Hey, Andy, it's so good to
2: join in and talk about this. I mean, we're just a few hours out from a really big piece of news in life ministry.
0: Yeah, this is really big news. Now, we are in full disclosure, this is Friday afternoon that we're recording when some significant news happened today. And this is regarding the case of Dobbs, state health officer of the Mississippi Department of Health. At all, uh, v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. At all, this was argued. This was a Supreme Court case argued in December 2021. So, what then is the decision that was that was shared today? Well, Friday. What is this? Friday, June 24th.
2: Yeah, this morning, just a little after 10 a.m. Eastern Time, the Supreme Court issued the. The majority decision and other, another opinion and the dissent, but the majority opinion was to decided for the state of Mississippi that abortion restrictions are illegal and that the opinion also overruled Roe v. Wade, which has been the decision in effect for almost 50 years, allowing abortion to be legal in the entire United
1: States. Do you have details of this, of the case, what the case was actually about that they were arguing? Yeah. So Dobbs
2: Jackson has been uh, in an awareness of like general public almost like 10 months now here. It's something that started a while ago. So it was this case resulted from a challenge to a 2018 Mississippi law that bans virtually all abortions after the 15th week of pregnancy. The law in Mississippi has exceptions for medical emergencies and cases that involve a severe fetal abnormality, but it never went into effect because the lower courts, including the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, have all blocked the state from enforcing the law. So it eventually advances all the way up to the Supreme Court and decided early in the fall of 2021 to hear the case. And it was argued on the first Wednesday of Advent, actually, as we mark it in the church. So very early in December of 2021. And so we've been waiting for a number of months to hear what the decision would be. And a lot of people are aware that there was a leak of a draft opinion that came out in May. So there was a lot of conjecture over the about seven weeks or so about what the actual opinion would be and if the draft was going to maintain a lot of those concepts expressed in it or if there would have been significant changes along the way. So the official holding was that the United States Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. So Roe v. Wade and also Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania versus Casey are both Supreme Court previous cases that are overruled. And now the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives.
1: So let's talk more about what this actually does mean. What does it mean that this a decision has overruled Roe v. Wade? Yeah, well, Justice
2: Alito wrote the majority opinion, and he said it was
1: quite interesting that some of the
2: phrasing that he used, and I should express that I'm <laughs> I'm a deaconess, right? I'm a, I may have a, a doctorate in theology, but I'm not an attorney. So the please know that this is so new and so fresh that it's really going to be good for people to the opinions and the dissent for themselves so provide some excerpts of some language that was used but it, it's it, these are there's really more to this than sound bites that i'm going to share with you but justice Salito said at the start that abortion presents a profound moral issue on which americans hold sharply conflicting views i think we've all seen that. And probably some of us even lived that out. He went on to to describe how the Constitution does not refer to abortion at all and that nothing in the Constitution protects a right to an abortion. So Roe v. Wade declared a constitutional right to privacy between a woman and her doctor back in 1973 and interpreted that as a right to abortion. And then the, the case I referenced, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which was in 1992, that reaffirmed that right. And so um, in Casey, the court ruled that states might not ban abortions before the point of viability, which is typically around 22, sometimes nowadays, maybe 21 weeks of pregnancy all the way up to like 24 weeks. And and after that, viability is with medical interventions is much more common. So these two cases establish this abortion without limits. So no gestational, no limits like in a lot of other countries. A lot of people in the U.S. don't realize that, that there were absolutely no limits all the way to the full 40 weeks of pregnancy. So in Dobbs v. Jackson, the majority opinion made it very clear that they want no more court cases about abortion. But the majority decision said the court will no longer decide how to evaluate the interests of the pregnant woman and the interests in protecting fetal life throughout pregnancy. Instead, those difficult moral and policy questions will be decided as the Constitution dictates by the people and their elected representatives through the constitutional processes of democratic self-government. Then there was an interesting comment made by the Mississippi Attorney General on this, and she said that this restores constitutional principle and returns the issue to the American people, which means the legality of abortion and any questions about restrictions to abortion is up to the legislative process in each state. That's kind of an overview of what it means.
0: And I'm sure some states. I know Missouri has already yeah. taken action on that. I'm sure other states may following suit as well. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about what this does mean. What does the overturning of Roe v. Wade, Roe v. Wade not mean?
2: Oh yeah, there's a lot of misinformation out there right now, and probably will be more coming out. But yes, don't believe everything you read on social media. <laughs> right, Sarah, is that a good rule? Do you think that's a good rule? Yes, <laughs> that is a very good rule. <laughs> yeah, I know. It'd be interesting for the three of us to compare to what we see. But it, <laughs> in regards to this case, it does not mean that abortion is illegal everywhere. It doesn't mean abortion is legal everywhere. It also, it doesn't mean that women are going to be arrested or charged with a, the crime of a... It doesn't mean that contraception is going to be illegal. I don't know. What else are the two of you seeing that is sentiments not expressed with the Supreme Court ruling?
1: I mean those are the big ones. Also yeah. just the impact that this might have on other decisions that the Supreme Court has made. And the I know the decision very specifically says that abortion is not the same thing yeah. as these other decisions that they've made because abortion is dependent on or I'm talking about the the value of human life and when life begins. And that is a different concept than other decisions that the court has made recently.
0: It, I, yeah. I remember reading just a little while ago, phrases that really st- stood out for me. Like, I mean, we, and we've been hearing this phrase for a long time now is reproductive rights. <laughs> the, also the phrase, let's see, I think this was from, I don't remember who the quote was from, but the phrase comprehensive health care. They were referring to abortion as health care. Th- those were terms that just, and they've stood out for me all along on this issue, but uh, referring to abortion as health care, I think is just troubling. And so when we start, when we change the lexicon and the terms that we use and what they mean, uh, that then when we're reading these things on social media, it, it changes what's true and what's not true. It gets very confusing when we start changing the lexicon.
2: Yeah, that's a really important point that you bring up, Andy. It's The language around Roe v. Wade was, uh, oh, abortions is going to be safe, legal, and rare. So that was the original language. And over the years, it's changed. And it's been in some ways some really intentional changes. And some of the more recent ones that have, we've seen briefings for so that the, the progressive organizations in the abortion movement say, oh, we actually want you to refer to now like the refusal to provide an abortion as a refusal of care. So these reproductive health, that reproductive rights, and they're all hiding behind this language, the, the death of a very innocent human child. So I think we can expect that there may be more the lexicon may be updated going, going forward, that this idea of not having abortion legalized could be a, a refusal of care for women, which is not true. Women are being cared for. There's always care available to women who are pregnant.
0: We have more to discuss regarding the, the Supreme Court's overturn of Roe v. Wade in just a moment with Deaconess Tiffany Maynard, Director of LCMS Life Ministry, right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Bolsa.
0: Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Eddie Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: Today we're discussing the recent Supreme Court overturning of Roe v. Wade with Deaconess Tiffany Maynard, Director of LCMS Life Ministry. We So we talked a little bit about what this decision means, what it doesn't mean, and the importance of going back and reading the published opinion from the Supreme Court for yourself so you can read Yeah, the opinion and the dissent as well. And we'll talk about the dissent in a little bit as well. But what does this mean for or how will this then impact state laws regarding abortion?
2: Well, there are states that have kept laws on the books. They're oftentimes referred to as trigger laws. They go immediately into effect. Um, these are our laws that make abortion illegal or restrict abortions. There's a variety of laws in the states. And there's, as I said, thirteen states. if you're interested if your state is one of them, I'll, I'll read them off. They're Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, and Wyoming. Those states have laws that either restrict, or make abortion illegal. And it's expected that more state legislatures will take action in their upcoming terms. The estimates are about probably 26 states will likely have some laws within a year, maybe two years, that would, again, make abortion illegal in their states. So these are our laws that some of them preceded 1973 and Roe v. Wade. Others were laws that were put into effect in anticipation uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned and even some passed this last term, most of which ended in the spring, that were hopeful that Dobbs v. Jackson would be decided for the state of Mississippi.
1: I know I've seen just in the short amount of time since this decision came down, I've seen a lot of people lamenting this decision and uh, talking about how Scary it can be for women who may be may have been relying on access to abortion or thinking that was their only choice. Uh, how do we respond to that? When I'm sure we most of us probably know people who may have these opinions that that this is a sad day, that this is something to be angry about. What do we? How do we respond to them with the hope and the resources, frankly, that we know we have as Christians and specifically as Lutherans? Yeah. Emotions are running pretty high
2: right now. And a lot of people are sad. Some people are afraid. Other people are celebrating. And I'm glad that you brought that up, Sarah, because it's really important to be attentive to what people are feeling. The language used in the dissent, I think, is probably amplifying some of the fear, too. They talk about autonomy, the, the opportunity to decide for a woman to decide for herself. As Christians, we don't understand autonomy the same way. We, in the Christian life, we have a mutual dependence on one another. And so this is a time where we can support people in our lives, people we know well who are experiencing some of these reactions and emotions. It's it's God who binds us together. He's the, one, he's the author of life. He creates life. He creates our bodies. He gives us to one another in relationship. And so we can be listening well to people and respond with the truth and share with them really what life is and point to Christ who is the one who gives us all eternal life through his death and resurrection. And really wants that to be shared so that all could come to know Jesus and join him in that eternal life by receiving his forgiveness and love. So it's really, it, it is important to share the truth and help people understand that some of what they're hearing may not be the full truth about this case, but then also find out what's really behind that fear or what are you reacting to? It? Is it someone around us who may have had an abortion in their past? Is that why they're feeling such strong emotions? Is it they were maybe complicit or took part in, a, in an abortion decision and they're experiencing emotions because of that? Could they be concerned that they're pregnant themselves in, a, in an unexpected pregnancy for a woman or a woman that they know and they love and they need to be cared for? So to be prepared, to listen well, to help people understand the truth of what this means and where they can access care and help for what, they're, um, what they might be concerned about or fearful of or sad about.
0: Tell us about the dissent. In the document from the Supreme Court, because there were, what, three justices, I think, that I think so. that were included with, the, or included their dissent in the, the statement?
2: Um, yeah, so technically the judgment reversed and remanded um, the dis- decision, the 6-3. So six of the justices, that, that means that held that the case should be decided for Mississippi, and then three disagreed or had a dissent. So five of that six all felt like Roe v. Wade needed to be overturned, They so they overturned it. One who agreed that Mississippi should, um, the decision should be decided for Mississippi was the Chief Justice Roberts. He didn't join the majority, but he agreed on the case. And then those other three were the dissenting judge- justices. So they, and I'll admit that I'm not an attorney and I haven't really had time to be fully briefed on the descent, but the excerpts I've read, they they really emphasize that for the past 50 years, there's been a right for a woman to decide for herself. It's interesting to acknowledge that length of time. So throughout all of human history, thousands of years, only in the past 50 has there been a right for a woman to decide for abortion. That's kind of an interesting concept that this would be something relatively new and modern and mm-hmm. whole scope of God's creation of the world. But they use a lot of the language that had been used by abortion. I just was talking a minute ago about autonomy. That was their argument. It's a woman's right to choose. No a woman's body, no one can tell her what to do. And then they even kind of conjectured about what might possibly happen with legislation that could come from the states. I think that. Probably is. It's my opinion, but I think that's some fear mongering going on, kind of amplifying some of those negative emotions that are out there in the dissent, but again, can read it. Yourself and see what the actual words say.
1: There's a lot here, and these aren't short opinions. I'm looking through the dissent right now. It's I don't know sixty some pages, and the the opinion is about seventy nine or eighty pages. So there's a lot of meat there. Probably not light reading, but good for us to know, as we, as many of us are, have a very strong opinion about the sanctity of life and what we believe, as we've talked about on social media. Knowing what these say, knowing how this actually affects. The people around us is a very wise thing so that we can speak clearly and we can speak wisely. How does empathy play into all of this? I know it's so easy to, to have these, to feel these strong feelings and have these true opinions about all of this. But how do we go about this with, with some empathy to be able to kind of meet people where they are and across the spectrum of now how this affects people? So glad you brought that up and said the word empathy. I mean, empathy is so biblical. And for the Christian,
2: it's 1250. We rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. With empathy, we enter in the emotions and pain and happiness with other people. And that's something that we can all join in with people around us. So, like we said a few minutes ago, there's there's a really broad spectrum happening right now. There are people who are congratulatory and celebrating, there are people who, who are weeping. And so, empathy isn't just kind of patting someone on the shoulder and saying they're there that's too bad i guess be like sympathy for someone else or the difference between pity for someone or versus compassion and so empathy and compassion really and is with someone in the midst of whatever they're going through so jesus right had compassion on people and he empathized and as his people we do the same
0: what then are important next steps for us in affirming life?
2: Yeah, so Christians you've got to be prepared to share the truth and to love them. And that love is that compassionate love of Christ and the mercy that He's first given to us that we extend to others. So as we share truth, we want to lovingly explain folks are misinformed or if They don't know the truth that is found in in Christ to to lovingly help them to see that. I've spoken before, I think, with you about how I was a pro-choice Christian. I needed to be taught and it wasn't people bashing me over the head with scripture passages and trying to convince me and kind of beat it into me. But instead, it was a slow walk for me to hear the truth and to be loved found by my brothers and sisters in Christ. The most important truth that we have is that life, eternal Abundant life is found in Jesus Christ. There's really tangible ways that we can love people, can put our faith into action. Right now, one of the more urgent needs for love is with pregnancy centers. They're tangible expressions for women who are going through unexpected pregnancies, need resources. And abortion groups have been targeting pregnancy centers, Christian pregnancy centers for the past, oh gosh, over a month, really. It's not made the news. It's not really out there in people's awareness, but there's been some significant acts of vandalism, firebombing these clinics and pregnancy resource centers that offer support. So I encourage everyone to reach out to local pregnancy centers, help them. There, there could well have been damage in the time since the Supreme Court decision came out, because some of the the really extreme abortion groups were saying that they were going to have these times of rage. They were using the, the phrase "night of rage," "summer of rage," where they would be damaging churches. They were really targeting Roman Catholic churches and pregnancy resource centers. So I encourage you to, to help. There's always, if, if you see something, to say something, to report something suspicious to authorities and police. But also in the aftermath, to repair if something has happened to one of these facilities in your community or in the future it does happen. But then even if not, even if there's not this target of rage in your community, to volunteer pregnancy centers. They share the gospel with women who are pregnant as well as material goods and coming alongside them to help them find things like even jobs and housing, diapers, clothing, medical care. I used to work in a pregnancy resource center. It was really quite a privilege to get to do that. So there's all kinds of things that you can do and they're always in need of volunteers and they are always in need of support. You know, certainly the time to in the days to come, to love abundantly and share Christ's mercy with people who are feeling pain from past abortions or if they were involved in an abortion decision. The estimates are that really maybe half the people in church may have been closely associated with an abortion, whether it was themselves or a loved one, for men, a a woman they were involved with, or maybe a family member. So we need to pour out love and be compassionate too, because we just don't even sometimes know what's in someone's past. These, These people around us. From the LCMS perspective, we've been preparing for a really long time to love people in this way. We Our congregations have been associated with other community organizations to, to provide love and care. And we designed this initiative, the Million Dollar Life Match. We call it the First John 3 initiative, focusing on Christ laying down his life for us and how we love in deed and truth. We just actually uh, awarded 37 congregations matching funds to work that they were doing, pro-life, beginning-of-life work in their communities. So we've just given them matching funds to increase and expand those efforts and start new things. And then we've got two more phases coming up. We've got phase two, the deadline deadline. Is coming up really soon. It's Friday, July 1st, is the deadline to apply for phase two, but there's still time. You can still do it. But then there's phase three that will be in the winter to start some new pro life work. So I commend people to learn what other congregations have done that have been effective. We're going to be sharing all kinds of stories. You can go onto our website, slash life, or email us at life ministry at lcms.org, and we can help you get connected with some things that can be done to help you reach out in loving Christ to people around you.
0: I was just going to ask for that website, but we'll repeat it again, <laughs> lcms.org slash life. Our guest today, Deaconess Tiffany Maynard, Director of LCMS Life Ministry. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Oh, it's been a blessing to be with you and talk about what's really happened. And I'm so thankful that we have so many Lutherans who are engaged in life ministry and really want to care for their people.
0: You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.